Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up with Alan Carter earlier today. He's the CEO at Cabral Gold. So they're hunting for gold in Brazil. We talked to him about a recent press release where they discuss oxide blankets. What's the implication for the company in terms of strategy, the need to raise capital and getting into production earlier? We discussed those with him. If you want our thoughts and opinions on those topics, the company itself and indeed Alan, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com. We've also got commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. We've got training courses on there, plus summaries of all the interviews that we've done just to save you some time. But most importantly of all, there's a wonderful, thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly, safe environment, free from all that judgment, trolling and abuse you may see elsewhere. So go and join them at cruxinvestor.com. Alan Carter, how are you, sir? Very well, Matt. Nice to be back. Well, good to have you back. We had you on at the end of January. A few things uh, have been happening. Some nice um, press releases recently. So we just want to kind of catch up and try and understand what, what's going on there. So uh, have you been keeping? Yeah, well, well, Matt, thanks. Very busy. I mean, we've had three rigs drilling um, all the way through the northern winter. Obviously, it's not winter in Brazil, but... Um, yeah, no, it's been it's been extremely busy, and it's and as you say, we've been get, getting some very nice results. So uh, it's been very uh, very interesting time. Has it been hard to managing with the kind of COVID restriction? How's your the, the state that you're in? Yeah, it has obviously been a challenge. Um, the area that we are in, uh, where the project is located, was uh, particularly uh, it was badly impacted the first time around last year. We actually. Uh, shut the project down from April to July last year, just as a cautionary measure. And uh, we run the health post in the community uh, that we're working in. It's a small village, about 600 people. So we were testing everybody in the community. So, you know, at the height there, I think probably May time, uh, May, June time of the pandemic last year, we were getting 20 positive cases a day. The second wave that's come through has had more of an impact in southern Brazil and less of an impact where we are. Um, You know, there's been some new varieties, but we've been able to, we have had one or two uh, new cases, uh, but we've been able to work all the way through this year during the second wave. So, um, So, yeah, it has been challenging. I mean, obviously, we've set up a whole bunch of protocols. We test everybody that comes in and, and, and leaves. Anybody who shows any symptoms at all is is completely isolated, um, and so. Um, but um, yeah, uh, it's not been as bad this time around in the last few months than it, than it was last year. Okay, well, look, I, I want to get. I do want to dig into some of some of that. What's going on on the ground? And um, but for people new to this story, can you give us that usual one minute overview of what it is that you are and what you're trying to do? And I'll pick it up from there with some questions. Yeah, sure, Matt. So Cabral Gold is a exploration, a gold exploration company that has an advanced gold project in Brazil. It's actually district scale. We already have two gold deposits defined that have a million ounces, uh, 43101 resources of a million ounces. Uh, the, the, both the deposits are open at depth. Um, within a sort of an eight kilometer radius of those two deposits, which are five kilometers apart, there are 43 other targets. We've just identified a very large uh, oxide blanket on top of one of the two deposits, and we think there may be others. And we have three rigs running, so we expect to have quite a lot of news over the next few months. It's a district-scale project. We're located in a part of Brazil, the Tapajos region, which is the site of the world's largest gold rush in history. And this region produced 20 to 30 million ounces during the 1980s. 
and our project area is the was the largest historic class of gold camp. So uh, we're very busy. Yeah. So look, we 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 followed this story for a few years now, and it was it was, it was kind of hard to get it off off the ground um, for you in terms of getting the market interested. Gold started picking up. You were able to raise capital. You were able to do some of the things you wanted to do, and you had a pretty spectacular year last year, didn't you? I mean, what was it? Ten times, something like yeah. that. So right. So you- well, yeah, yeah. We, um, yeah, certainly. I mean, we were the second best performing mining stock according to the TSX on the venture exchange uh, last year, and the top performer I think was a lithium company. So you know, we were the top performing gold precious metal stock on the TSX Venture Exchange, according to them, at least in terms of liquidity, uh, market cap growth and share price growth. So we did have a spectacular year too. Can we repeat it this year? I don't know. Obviously, no guarantees. We're certainly going to try our best. Um, the stock has come off a little bit uh, since we last spoke. But as you know, Matt, um, most of most of my portfolio, which are mainly uh, small precious metal companies, also came off with the, with the decline in gold price. But um, it looks like uh, we may have t- turned a corner, so um, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I think your chart has pretty much followed a lot of um, gold juniors in the sense that gold's come off, and you know that, that all charts look very very similar, it's, except for recently something's happened. And I just want to try and understand it because you know I've read through the results, and you know you, you're, you're hitting high grade veins. I mean, really high grade veins, really really nice stuff. But there's one press release that caught my eye because there's a few words in there which I'd like to understand better. You're using a phrase, oxide blanket, which I've not really heard before. So oxide thing we understand. So maybe you describe what oxides usually mean to a, a, a project. And then tell me, why are you using this word blanket in association with that? Yeah. Um, look, Matt, uh- we have two primary gold deposits. By that, I mean, so far, we have two hard rock gold deposits that were formed well, probably about two billion years ago within a, a granitic host rock as a result of hot water flushing through cracks. Uh, we think there could be another six, seven or eight of those within our project area. Now, within the last few weeks, it's become apparent that uh, on top of one of those, there is a flat lying zone which has resulted, which is actually a separate deposit, but that flat-lying zone or blanket has resulted over millions of years from the erosion of the underlying primary deposit, which is a vertically dipping or sub-vertical dipping body of 30 to 50 metres wide. This thing's been weathering over millions of years and the gold has dispersed into the overlying sand and sediments and mud and it's formed a blanket and it is uh, oxide. So it's, there's no sulfide material. Um, part of what you do when you take most gold uh, ores from most gold mines is they're in hard primary rock, they're associated with sulfides. You've got to crush and pulverize them and liberate the gold through a uh, um, gravity process and, and also a, a chemical process in a processing plant. Well, nature has done a lot of that for us over millions of years. So if you've got an oxide deposit Usually, your costs are going to be a lot lower in terms of mining, in terms of processing. Um, you know, it's much easier to get at. And because this is at surface, it's highly significant. This whole surface area, these surface sands and muds that I was just talking about, were assumed to be sterile previously. Um, and, and so in the, in the last resource estimate we did in 2018, this was waste. It was overburden. It was material. It was a cost. It was a material that we, we would have had to have moved um, to and, and put somewhere else to have got at the underlying ore body. 
we now know that all that material, which was a cost, is now a separate deposit and it's all. Um, so um, something that we weren't anticipating, we certainly didn't anticipate that there would be as much of this material as we think there is. Uh, we've got more drilling to do, but it's but it's highly encouraging. I mean, as you know, uh, last week um, we reported that we got 60 metres at uh, 3.5 grams within this uh, blanket zone. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of gold in it, that's for sure. Well, that is for sure. Why are you finding this now? Because when we've, again, talked historically in the past, last two, three years, you're sort of chasing sort of sub one gram. It was fairly homogenous, but it was low grade. And all of a sudden now you're into a blanket, 60 metres, 3.5 grams, plus you've got high-grade veins running through this um, area too. Why are you discovering it now? What's changed in your methodology or your direction? No, a very good question. So look, let's just get back to the underlying deposits. So the underlying deposits are sub-vertical. They're quartz veins in the middle. They're very high-grade. They're surrounded by a low-grade halo within the granitic rock. And the deposit that we've identified this blanket above, the underlying primary deposit is called MG. It's a uh, an east-west trending body, and we have an inferred resource there. Now, we when we originally drilled this and discovered this, we basically were drilling on section lines every 100 metres, so um, north-south section lines, and we were putting one hole. We were stepping back from uh, the deposit and uh, the primary deposit, which, as I said, sub-vertical, 30 to 50 metres wide, um, and we were stepping quite a long way back to get to intersect the body of depth. And we could just kept doing that along north and south section lines. Now, most of those section lines only have one hole. And that is one hole that stepped back from the surface projection of the underlying deposit. So we've got some within those single holes, a lot of those did cut. We knew that there was uh, some mineralization in the oxide material above it. We just didn't realize that this was a big blanket zone. Why? Because we had no holes, other holes along most of those section lines. This drill program, we've come in and with the objective of drilling more holes into the underlying high-grade portions of the underlying deposit. And in that process, we've had more holes along the same section. And that's meant that we could actually get some idea of what's happening in, this, in, the, uh, in the other dimension, in the north-south dimension. Uh, and so it looks like, and not only that, we've got much closer to the um, projected uh, the, the location where the where the underlying deposit would daylight, where where the zone is thickest uh, and it's highest grade. So so that's the underlying re- reason. Um, there, there certainly were indications, but we didn't know that it was an extensive blanket, either this thick or anything like this extensive. Um, so um, so you know the, the zone is still open from to the north and the south. Um, so so how, how does it change the way you approach this project then? Because with this. You know, it's, 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 there's a blanket, it's got pretty good grades, it's near stammer at surface, it's no, it's no longer overburdened, it's no longer a cost to the company, it, should, it has potential to create meaningful revenue for the company. So does that mean you're going to go after this earlier than you would have otherwise? And you're going to maybe have a sort of secondary approach? I mean, how, how, do you, how do you come at this now you know? Yeah, absolutely. Look, well, we've got three rigs currently working on the project. So one of those three rigs we've retasked, we've taken it off um, doing follow-up drilling and we've put it on onto this blanket because we're only having to drill holes that are 50 meters deep, Matt. And so now we can go at it. It's, it's, 
Right now, we think it's at least 400 by 500 meters. It's not like drilling a, a sort of an inclined hole, um, you know, 300 meter hole. You can get a lot more holes done through this blanket a lot quicker and a lot cheaper. So, um, look, you know, it, it has enormous implications. I think most people don't appreciate exactly what the implications are. So do some, do some maths for us. Do, do some maths about what you think you've got there and how you come out. Are there other blankets? Well, we think there's a very good idea. Uh, a very, we have indications of other blankets from the historic drill database in five other areas, and there may be more than that. And, and it's logical, really, when you think about the fact that we've got two deposits here and we've got 40 other, 43 other currencies in close proximity. They're all weathering at the same rate over millions of years, where there's one blanket where the gold has been uh, spread out and basically weathered out into a, into a blanket zone. There should be others. I mean, very logical. Um, but look, let's just recap about what the implications are with this. Firstly, the identification of this blanket will allow us to add a lot of ounces to the overall endowment within the district. There, there is, it is a separate deposit. It sits on top of the underlying primary deposit at MG, but it will add a lot of ounces here. And in terms of math, well, if you did the math on on, an, on a zone, which is 400 metres by uh, 300 metres, say it's somewhere between 35 and 50 metres thick, uh, density maybe about 1.8 grams a tonne, reasonable, uh, perhaps a bit more. Um, you know, and then you look at the grade, well, uh, some, of the, some of the holes are half a gram, half a gram is highly significant, that's all. Uh, probably the cutoff on this is going to be 0.1. Um, so... Uh, but, you know, maybe you take a gram and, and well, then you do the math on that, uh, you know, and it's a very significant zone. And as I said, it's open. The other implications, of course, this is going to be very, very cheap to mine. There's no drilling or blasting required. This is something where you're just going to come in with uh, front end loaders and excavators and scoop this stuff up. And so the mining cost here will be very, very low compared with other hard rock deposits and, and indeed compared with uh, our underlying hard rock deposit. The processing cost is also low, Matt, because as you know, in order to extract gold, normally you take the rock, you take your piece of quartz or whatever, your, 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 your hard rock, and you crush it, and then you pulverize it in a mill, a bore mill or a sag mill. There's all massive cost in, in terms of that. Um, with mud and sand, you don't have to do that. So um, not only that, but of course, um, if you've got material on the top, as we said earlier, there's a cost to that pre-strip material. If it's waste, you've got to move it. Um, and, you know, we're talking, you know, somewhere between probably 12 and 16 million tonnes of material here that could be mineralized. It's likely to be mineralized. So um, uh, there's a cost to that, but it also pushes your pit depth down. If your blanket, if your surface material, your mud, sand and soil is all mineralized, you can actually extend your pit depth deeper. So you've got more, more ounces coming in at the bottom as well at the, as the top. Right. So, so come back to my question then. Well, the question. And I did. I, I just answered. No, it. no. I want more from you because you, you know, you, you approach this with one strategy because you've got these high grade mineralizations going through. You've got an opportunity with the math you've just laid out and potential for other blankets in, in the, in the district that you're in. So the, you would have envisaged this being a long process of raising money in the market, drilling, raising money, drilling, et cetera. Now you've got an opportunity to get into early revenue. 
Yeah. Does it change the strategy? I'm not saying you're forgetting what's gone before, but you're parking it up for now in, in, in some way and focusing on the quick wins. Gets you revenue flowing, which allows you to pay for the the, uh, the your initial strategy. I mean, how, how, it, it, how does it work? Yeah. It, look, look, it, it certainly, there's a few implications. I mean, it certainly gives us the option to get into production much, much more quickly. Um, and so... Um, you know, we, we're already very, very advanced with the permitting here. We have two trial mining licenses here granted over this, um, this area as it is right now. So, yeah, it really does change things. Um, and it gives us that option, the optionality of getting into production potentially, potentially within, within sort of 12 months or perhaps even less. Than that. The other big implication it has for us is obviously there's a big difference in terms of exploration too, your exploration approach, because up until now, we've been looking for zones that are sub-vertical dipping, 30, 50, maybe perhaps 100 metres wide, uh, probably blind, you know, uh, zones that are like this. They're basically like a, like, a people, like a bar of chocolate, which is, you know, sub-vertical. Uh, and that obviously has a... Uh, you know, the width and size of that when you're looking for it on surface is, is you know, 30, 50 metres wide, perhaps a kilometre long. If you've got a blanket with a footprint that's for a minimum of 400 to 500 metres wide that is extending essentially from surface to, say, 50 metres deep, that's completely different. You're not drilling it anything like as deep as the underlying hard rock deposit. You're not drilling it at the same spacing, at least initially, as your underlying hard rock deposit, the holes are much shorter, it's faster, it's quicker, it's cheaper, the material is soft. You, you know, you, you're moving on to a new hole, perhaps one, at least one hot new, new hole a day, sometimes two. Um, so it has enormous implications. Um, uh, it, it's very, very exciting. I, I think anybody in my, my position that's running a gold explorer um, you know, it's just one of those would love to have a, a, a an oxide near surface oxide gold deposit. Um, they really would. Um, you, you, def- you definitely, like you definitely would. The first of, I think, several. You, you definitely would because it has potential of generating cash flow for you, which then gives you optionality about how you treat the rest of the district. I get it, okay. But let's just sorry, if you don't mind. I, want, I do want to get into the nitty, nitty gritty here. Is You've, you've got permits and licensing um, to get through, but it's given it sort of, you know, at surface, it's, uh, yeah, well, I don't know what, what it's like in, in, in Brazil, but you're going to tell me in a second. But the other thing here is you're going to need some studies to be done. Are you suggesting that if you can be, you, you told me, you said 12 months potentially in production here, which is great as a re-rate we're a producer now. That's a nice re market. If, if, Potentially, if, yeah, maybe. If we, right? if, we, if we were to go down that route. But in terms of, because it's so simple, it's pick it up, move it, process it. Does that mean the study process is much simpler? Because you kind of got metallurgy and, or, and those sorts of things to get into. Too. So you're going to have to start some of those things relatively soon. So again, how do you expedite the process? Yeah. Well, we've already done some metallurgical work uh, on the oxide material at MG, um, and and, uh, and and the recoveries are extremely good, 95%. Now, we need, now need to do more than, more than that. So, you know, one thing we are going to be planning over the next month or two is, is some more metallurgical work on this thing. In terms of expediting the process, and, and, and if we were to go down that route and, and uh, pursue the, uh, 
you know, uh, near-term production route. It would be initially it would be on a on a smaller scale, um, but uh, we already have the mining permits over the over this area. We have trial mining licenses over this permit. Uh, we'd need to uh, get the environmental permits uh, approved, but we've done all the the environmental applications are done, Matt. All the work's been done. The environmental impact assessment has already been submitted. But so for, an, what, the, for, an, for an open for pit, for an open pit. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it has for this area, the fauna and flora. That's the big one because you, in, in Brazil you have to do studies of the fauna and the flora, and you have to do them in the wet season and the dry season. So uh, there's that. There's all the hydrogeological work. There's 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 a whole bunch of other studies that uh, that go into that application, and we've submitted that application. So um, it is something that potentially, you know, yeah, we could um, we could we could uh, develop quite quickly. You got to pay for that. You got enough cash? Not right now. We don't know. How much would you um, raise? We'd need to raise a little bit more money. Uh, we're going to need to raise a little bit more money uh, anyway. Uh, we're at about three point two million in the bank right now. So some point here over the next uh, two or three months, we're going to need to raise a little bit more money. But going into the market and saying, hey, I'm a near-term producer, I've got the permits and licenses and, and so forth, um, and it's an easy, cheap process, CapEx is low, um, that's going to be an easier conversation for you. So I, I guess that's quite appealing. So when you say small-scale operation, what does that mean? What does small-scale mean? Well, the two trial mining licenses that we've got right now that cover the, the area of the blanket allow us to extract 100,000 tonnes of ore per year. Now, uh, there is a possibility we could add additional trial mining licenses to that. And, and in Brazil, trial mining licenses is like an intermediate step to, to having a full mining licence. So, um, you know, it's not, not going to be a massive uh, sort of operation to, to start with, but... But, you know, I think there's a lot of merit to doing some sort of test sort of process on a, on a, on a, on a, on a smaller scale and uh, demonstrating proof of concept. Part of the issue that we've got is, you know, with a district scale play with, with the potential for multiple deposits, be those some of these uh, obviously blankets and, and underlying primary deposits, hard rock deposits, is um, once you put out a resource estimate, I think there's such a large segment of the market that assumes that once you've got a resource estimate, they're then looking for the scoping study, right? Um, with us, it's because we've got a district with all these various targets, it's actually not, not going to be like that. It's going to be, okay, we've got a resource on this one. Now, you, you know, next, we're going to target this one, put a resource on that one, and then we're going to put a resource on this one. But I think if, if we can do, if we can investigate the trial uh, mining concept at the same time as growing the resource and adding deposits here, there, and everywhere uh, within the district, I, I think that, that there's real merit to that approach. Yeah, there's, there's something there. And, and, and you're going to, over what, the next few weeks and months, sort of work out the best way to approach the market in terms of how you position yourself. Because like I say, you've slightly changed the story because of this discovery, we'll call it. We'll call it discovery. You know, you're going to need brokers to start covering you. You're going to need people to pay attention. So how, what, what's the pitch? What would the pitch be if you're coming to me and asking me for money? Well, the pitch is basically what I just told you, that, you know, district-scale opportunity, two hard rock gold deposits already defined, lots of upside, lots of high-grade potential here. But also now we have another string to a bow in that we think there's a series of uh near-surface oxide blankets that could be exploited very quickly and cheaply in the near term. you got the team to do it? Yeah, we've definitely got the team to do it. We've got an excellent team. 
Our manager in Brazil is uh, is Rory McKnight. He's an, he's an Aussie guy. I've known him for a very long time. Uh, Rory, Rory's lived in Brazil for the last 25 years or so. Um, he's an excellent guy. And uh, under Rory, we've got a, a very good team. We've got new VP Exploration. We're in the process of appointing now. Um, you know, we've got a very dedicated team of geologists and we've got over 100 people on site. So we've definitely got the team to do it. There's no question that, look, look, as you know, uh, we've had a, we've had some success in the past in terms of um, outlining gold deposits. I mean, I know I have a lot of friends who, you know, haven't been involved in a, in a, in a, in a d- discovery. I mean, it's not easy to find a gold deposit. I think I think a lot of uh, people, investors think it's pretty easy. You know, they see all these companies, they've all got all these gold projects. It's not easy. It's difficult. If it was difficult, everybody would be doing it. And sometimes it seems like they all are because we, you know, we're in this little world. But um, it's not that easy. But but my point is, as a team, we've been involved in the discovery of five gold deposits in Brazil. We've either been incredibly lucky, and let's let's face it, there is some luck in it. But you know, <laughs> I don't think if you if you've discovered five gold deposits in the last twenty plus years. Uh, it's all luck. I mean, you, you know, QUQU uh, is the most exciting. It's the most exciting uh, of all these things for all of us. Why? Because it was the largest placer gold camp during the gold rush. It should contain more primary gold gold in the underlying hard rock than anywhere else. No, no, no I, I get it. I think that market gets sometimes um, distracted by people talking about anomalies and targets and forget that fi- making a discovery is Difficult. Can I come back to the brokers, though, if, if you don't mind? What, what's, what's been their problem with this story? Why have they not latched on to you? Know, like I say, fantastic year last year, but you haven't had the brokers coming to you and saying, is this because you're not raising enough money often enough? Uh, well, we've never done a broker deal, to be honest, up until you know, a few months ago. The market cap was so small that... Uh, Brokerage firms just weren't weren't interested in companies like us. Now we've got a sixty million dollar, sixty five million dollar market cap. They are coming to us, um, and uh, yeah, we've we've been pretty successful at raising money on our own without any brokerage support. The last financing, as you know, we set out to raise two million, no brokerage support, without a warrant, right? Without a warrant, and we actually got orders for seven point two million. This is before uh, you know the, the, all these stocks took off. And so um, this time around, um, with this kind of market cap and the kind of results that we're getting, there's quite a lot of brokers that uh, that that, that uh, want to be associated with us. Everybody wants to be associated with success. They want to make money for their clients. Um, you know, we have a demonstrable track record of, of making money for our shareholders. And so uh, we're going to try and continue to do that. Your share has seen a little bit of a bump recently. I think off the back of of the uh, sixty meters at three point whatever, whatever it's three point six uh, grams. Three point um, five. Three point right. Three, sorry, three point five grams. Um, still fifty five cents. You were at seventy six when we interviewed at the end of January. Are you going to try and raise the price? Are you are you or are you just cognizant of the market is what the market is? Just take the money when it's there. To allow you to, you know, release the value of this blanket of, of ore. Well, look, we're obviously, you know, watching the price very carefully. We're watching the market in general very carefully. It's always one of those uh, questions. If you're a CEO of a company like ours, at what point do you uh, do you raise money? Obviously, my primary concern is mitigating dilution, but that primary concern 
is secondary, if you like, to having enough money to execute on, on what we're trying to do. Um, so, you know, you're walking a little bit of a line here. I think there are a lot of people in, in, in the industry who, you know, uh, if they suspect the financing's coming, they'll actually sell the stock and, and on the assumption that they're going to pick up a unit type of deal as part of financing that has a warrant on it. So sell the shares and then uh, participate in the financing and get a warrant. Well, I think people who are banking on that in our case might be sorely disappointed because last time round under much more difficult market conditions, we didn't have a warrant. Uh, and, and I don't know whether there'll be a warrant or some sort of warrant this time or not. But, you know, look, as you know, Matt, I'm the largest shareholder in this company. I put $1.7 million of my own money into this. And a lot of junior CEOs will say, oh, I'm the largest shareholder, but they got a massive number of shares at the outset for a fraction of a, of a penny. And so, you know, I put $200,000 into the last financing, $300,000 into the financing before that, and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. Now, um, so my point is I'm aligned with shareholders, right? It's, you know, my interest is obviously I want to see the value of my shares in the company go up. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not paying a, myself a big salary. None of us are getting big salaries here. Uh, we're all absolutely dedicated to trying to make this company a success, but we are aligned with shareholders and, uh, and we're going to do our best to move that share price up. But it, but it is always that that sort of thing about timing and, uh, you know, when you pull the trigger on the financing. Um, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. When the time is right, we'll pull the trigger. I mean, look, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Some people have said to me, yes, Alan, you should have raised uh, money when it was at 70 or 75 cents. And, and like I said, um, you know, We'll see what happens here going forward. Um, you know, uh, who was to know that the uh, the gold price would take a you know a two hundred dollar sort of hit um, at the earlier this year? But um, it is what it is. It seems to have turned a corner. Historically, the Northern Hemisphere summer is a good time for gold and, and the valuation of companies like us. So we'll, we'll see what happens here. Okay, but you've got just in terms of timing, you've got three and a half million bucks now. So you're not rushing into that race, but you know no, we're not. You, you are going to at There's some no point this year, this year, have to raise some money to take advantage of what you've just discovered. Correct. Correct. Okay. Alan, look, appreciate the updates as ever. Um, and thank you for actually explaining that to us. I just I think it's worth because it's not a phrase that we, we see too often, so, but it's it definitely changed things for you or potential for you guys. You just need to work out how to take advantage of it. Yeah, we do. We do, and we will. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.